Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sander Lanch podcast. Today, we are talking about the Bands of Mourning, chapters five, six, and seven, wherein, you know, there's 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 a nice peaceful train ride going on. Wax and Steris have some heart-to-heart talks, and uh, then they're, uh, because it's Wax, the train gets invaded by bandits, and we end with... Uh, Steris going off the edge. So, uh, very dramatic. I am Data, and with me is... Jamie. Dak. And Joe. So hang on to something, everybody. The Sander Lanch is about to begin. Revolution holds us bound. Come on down to London Town. Break your back for class and crown. Come on down to London Town. So yeah, we got uh, three chapters. We got a lot of talking and a little bit of action to go with it. Uh, what did you guys think of the three chapters this time? Yeah, it was it was not too bad. We I, I wasn't expecting to get any action, so that was a nice surprise um, to happen at the end there. I really enjoyed, as usual, Steris, and I was really excited when she sort of had a bit of an opportunity to to do something but then I was very sad at what happened at the end so I hope she's okay (laughs) um I liked I actually thought Marisai and Wayne were having like a half decent conversation as well which was nice and then Wayne just is classic Wayne doing his thing which I was like ah there he is again fine but yeah in general I really enjoyed them I'm glad that we got a little bit of action happening bit of bit of mystery already and and kind of looking at what we've dealt with in the past and you're like is it someone we've already kind of come up with is it closely related to the suit uh, or mr suit or the set rather yeah the 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 mystery wheels are spinning that's for sure i like i like you're like i hope steris is okay and i'm just thinking like oh yeah falling from a train that that's, that's nothing right yeah well you know we are dealing with a world that uh you swallow some metal and magic things happen so true True. I mean, you, you never know. But uh, speaking of metal, I actually loved the bit where Steris had a sample, but she'd um, suspended the metal flakes in, was it castor oil? Cod liver oil, yeah. Cod liver oil. Yeah, I was like, oh, it's like um, uh, Aradell and his wife with the banana. That's <laughs> true. Wives, am I right? We're so disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta look out for your health. Yeah. Yeah. I was about to say, how dare you care for your husband so? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Just a shock. What is this? This is not whiskey. <laughs> uh, and she she had not just one, but like three. So you're like, Steris, already MVP of this fight. Yeah. Yeah. You knew Steris was the one that was going to be prepared. That's the, what I mean. She would not got, have gotten on the um, the top of that train car if she hadn't already accounted for the possibility mm. that she would have fallen off. So she's got to be a parachute in her skirt or something. <laughs> yeah. I sure. wouldn't put it past her. Pillows in her skirt. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like the three boxings that she couldn't account for, I totally understand that need to fix that, even though it's a very small error to have to track those down. I get that. That speaks to me. I, I think Steris <laughs> and I are a lot more alike than I was willing to admit. <laughs> 
I like how into it Wax got even. Like by the end, he's like, "Yeah, I'm really excited." That about was this. sweet. And he's like, "I found two of them. I found two. <laughs> it's like a a game." <laughs> yeah, Marissa is just so annoyed at that point. She's like, "Okay, I'm going to bed. <laughs> Whatever. Weird <laughs> bunch of weirdos in here. <laughs> I'm gonna let you guys do this, <laughs> and uh, I'll talk to you later." Oh yeah. There's some definite, definite cute uh, Steris Wax relationship moments in here, I feel like. Yeah, which I think we were looking forward to in this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree. I think, um, like, seeing Wax getting really into what Steris was really into and them, have, like, having a good old time figuring that out was actually just very, that was very unexpected but very sweet. I really enjoyed that. The action scene, fantastic. Really loved it. Uh, hopes, like, I also hope Steris is okay. I gotta say, like, I think for the second time, something was spoiled a bit because of an email that came through, or actually, no, it was a review last week, I think, because we have the point where Wax loses all his medals, and it's like, well, we just had the review where that guy was talking about chromium and leeching, so that's gotta be what that was, so. Oh, that's, yeah, I didn't even think about that, because, yeah, I guess... Because I, I looked it up to make sure that it had been mentioned before. Like, we could have read it. I don't know I, that we did read it, but we could have. And that's why I, I was like, okay, let's talk about it. I think it's been in the Ars Arcanums, but we never really dwelt too much on it. Yeah. So we knew we knew it was a possibility. But I'm just like, if it hadn't been for the review last week, I probably would have forgotten about it completely. But yep. because it was fresh on my mind when I read the chapter, I was like, oh, well, that's what that is. The timing, really. Unless that's not what it is. Just saying. But it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, what are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> I think Data's been hitting the sauce again. <laughs> Good yeah, try, Data. <laughs> there was, um, yeah, like fun stuff on this all throughout these chapters. And I'm curious about when Marisai is reading this thing about the monster. I'm like, is that the thing from the broadsheet in the last book? Like that weird beast thingy with like the red eyes and such and such. Like have the Kandra seen this thing too? Is this like from another, is this actually legitimately from another world? So, as as I recall, the uh, the person who wrote that story in the broadsheet, or the person who encountered the monster in the broadsheet, was from New Saran. So maybe that's going to be upcoming. Yep. Uh, yeah. This we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Maybe there'll be actual monsters in this book, which would fit the Indiana Jones theme we were kind of hoping for. We kind of had monsters last book, like the weird hemallergic uh, human. Yeah. This is setting set, setting us yeah, up. Was, I mean, well, I mean, didn't a very didn't, uncharted moment. Didn't um uh, didn't Miles say like the men the men of red and black and like well all right this monster is red and black maybe it's maybe man was a loose term <laughs> the things the things of red and gold that doesn't sound as gold good. uh these chapters were good uh, I enjoyed all of the Steris wax moments a lot the Marisai Wayne bits also good I uh, I feel like. Marisai and Wayne both made good points about how Marisai feels about things. You know, it's like I could I could see it from her perspective, but I think I tended to kind of agree with Wayne a little bit more than her. But uh, then, you know, Wayne does his Wayne thing, which is not great. But <laughs> uh, but for the most part, yeah, I really enjoyed all the dialogue scenes. But I I uh, I have to say I lean more towards dialogue chapters in general. I do like action in this in this series but the dialogue is actually interesting because there's a lot of character development going on 
Whereas, say, like the dialogue-heavy book of The Well of Ascension, a lot of that dialogue I wasn't too thrilled about because it's just kind of politicking. So, yeah, I really like uh, all the dialogue scenes in these in this series so far. So I, I'd say those those were good chapters. The action chapter was unexpected. I really liked the cliffhanger at the end of the second chapter that we read this time, where the train is very... Again, we talk about this book being very these this series especially being very cinematic. It's a very cinematic moment. Like she walks and she turns around, and then like the train is slowly, like she sees the train pulling away from them, and it's mm-hmm. just like, wait, what? What's happening? It's just a cool, a uh, cool idea, a cool shot. So that was really cool. I'm very confused about these guys on horseback taking over the train. So I'd be interested to know what that what that's about for sure. Uh, I'm more interested in that than actually the fighting in the chapter. I'd say that was, you know, meh. And yeah, Steris coming out with the shotgun, which I know the shotgun was brand new. So, you know, she would have had time to get herself acquainted with its power. But at the same time, it's like, unless she was prepared to fall up the train, I don't know why she picked up the shotgun to fire it. Um, even if it was a regular shotgun, I don't know if she would like be prepared enough to fire something with that kind of recoil on it. So mm. I don't know. Interesting, interesting stuff. I'm excited to to read the next chapter, see what happens. But yeah, I liked it overall. Even just like a like a 12 gauge has a lot of kick. Not like send you flying off the side of a train. No, kick, but still. No, but if you're on a on the top of a moving train, it, it's not. I wouldn't say it's a wise choice for an inexperienced shooter to try and shoot a a shotgun. That that sounds dangerous. Yeah, although it. It's funny because I'd forgotten until you mentioned it, but some uh, in the Discord, they're like, man, I bet Dak's really going to love this uh, Old West horseback train robbery uh, stuff that's happening in these upcoming chapters. So oh, Discord people, you were right on the money. <laughs> Say that without. Yeah, I actually, when I was reading it, I thought the same thing. I was like, I bet Dak will like this. It's train robbery. It's like real Old West type shit. Had a blast. So did Steris. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hi I, I will say I forgot to mention the bit where he increases his weight and he shoves the train car forward. That was just absolute. yeah, that was cool. That was cool. I will say as soon as I as soon as I read that the train was pulling away and then you know in the next chapter the fight starts, I was like, I bet that's what he's going to do because I mean that's that's yeah that kind of predicament is perfectly suited for Wax. It's like just increase his weight and push it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, there's no other way that I can think of they could ever have gotten uh, anywhere, so it works out well. Yeah, that wax is suited for that. Must just be stuck out there in the in the middle of the basin. Yeah, could you imagine if like the story if it wasn't someone who did not have that ability, and then it's like, oh, well, we're stuck now. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> like <laughs> that's not a fun story. <laughs> we're gonna have to walk. To walk. Yeah. The whole book is just going to be them walking. It would be it, it'd basically be the gunslinger, actually, at that point. Yeah, basically. Wax is the gunslinger, although he he, he has yeah. a, a, a posse with him, so I guess it'd be a little bit different. Sure. People you know what else to. has a lot of walking in the middle of nowhere? Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, yeah. There you go. I heard it from Randall. You know that he it must be right. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I hear that guy's going to have a heart attack. <laughs> Uh, that's a reference to the trailer for Clerks 3, in case anyone was not following what just happened. <laughs> yeah, go see the movie if you, you know, want to see it, I guess. By the way, I'm this the podcast fence. is uh, not sponsored by uh, Clerks 3. Could be. Kevin, <laughs> yeah, you're out we there. Don't, yeah, we don't care. I mean, we'll do it. 
Okay, I guess let's get into these chapters. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, so we start out with Wax just looking out the window. Stuff's passing by. He's got his package from Renette, which has spheres and cords, which I guess are like what he got from her last book, except last book it was kind of just like a grappling hook attached to a cord. But there's also a shotgun that says she's been experimenting with extra powerful loads for stopping thugs or full-blooded coloss. Please test. Will require increased weight on your part to fire. Recoil should be exceptional. So it's, it's funny. She has this idea, and it's like, this will only work for someone like Wax, who can increase his weight. Yeah. Or I guess somebody in, like, a really powerful vest or something, like, strong? I don't know. Mm. You, gotta, you gotta put, like, a... Yeah, it'd, work for, it'd work for Wax or, like, the uh, the Terminator, you know? Maybe one of those brutes who's, like, a ferrochemist who can get really big and buff. I bet. They yeah, can. I almost thought that's what this guy was that was fighting him. Uh, I think he is. Well, there you go. Didn't work for him. Or I guess he wasn't expecting it. In, fa- in fact, if I'm remembering right, I think that guy is a brute and a coin shot, sort of like uh, a character that we met earlier in this book. Yeah. And so they pull up to a train station, and there's people out there protesting with signs that say, End Elendil Oppression. And uh, he's like, what's that about? Hey, Starish, you know anything about this? And she's over here reading a book. She's very intensely concentrating on her book. And when he tries to look, she jumps and snaps it closed. And he's like, what What, what are you reading? History of New Saran. You look shocked. Well, I, I don't know if you realize, but the name Saran has a very disturbing history. Uh, and everybody remember where Saran is from? I actually do not. Uh, no. That, that was... The, uh, the the Inquisitor base, the Convecticle of Saran. Oh, that's right. Why you would name a town after that is beyond me. Uh, especially because <laughs> it sounds like some bad stuff's going on there. We built this town on the place where all the people we knew died 300 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> and also, we're still doing possible hemallergy evil here. Built this city on rock. Okay, sorry. Blood and bones. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe Marsh built this place, and then other people came and started living here. And he's like, "Hey, can you fuck off? This is meant to be my solitary place. My place with the nice waterfalls and stuff. Like, why do you think I yeah. picked it? You've, you've taken yeah. my fortress of solitude. <laughs> like, get out! I'm ironized. Damn it. Maybe he still lives there. He's like got a got a little cave up in the, the waterfall. <laughs> Marsh is the mayor. Oh, that would be amazing. Like the, out here, they everyone loves ironized. What are you talking about? He's the best. Come meet Mayor Spikeface. Wait, what? <laughs> he has spikes <laughs> elsewhere, guys. It seems so, like, they talk about it, but I'm just like, Wax, how out of touch are you? He's like, yeah, the people out there, they seem mad about about Elendel for some reason. And she's like, oh, well, I mean, yeah, they would be. He's like, what, just the taxation stuff? Like, we just tax them a little bit. And so the gist of it is that the outer cities get taxed to maintain the infrastructure, like the railways that go that connect all the cities in the basin, more or less, not counting the roughs. Those nobody cares about those apparently. But as she talks about, not only are they taxed for that, all goods that travel through Ellendell get taxed, and the central government refuses to build railways between the outer cities so they can ship directly anything that they want to make and sell. 
goes through Elendel, even if it's then going to another city. So every single thing gets taxed as it goes through Elendel. And they're not happy about that. Which you have to fair. It also, it also seems impractical. Like, if you're... I'm just looking at this map here. Yeah, so if you want to get stuff from Rashikin to, uh, I don't know, Elmsdale, they don't have a, a straight line railway railway going from one to the other. you got to go all the way inland, oh, well, to the coast, to Elendale, and then back out again. It's like, that's just that's just time-consuming. Like, it's funny. Like, those supplies sooner. That's the exact example that's used in the book, is you want to take something from Elmsdale to Rashikin, you have to go is to Elendale. Actually? Yep. <laughs> God damn it, I just yeah, pulled through out of my... <laughs> Yeah, I think because she, I think she's making your exact point. It's like it doesn't make sense specifically for those two towns to go through Ellendale. Man, this fucking, ugh, man, maybe this virus really is fucking with my head. I got COVID, yeah. by the way, listeners. Just, just FYI. Yep, Jack and Jamie are sick, and yet they're still here making content for you. Ooh. You, you, you can probably tell like that Jamie wasn't feeling real well. Uh, it comes across. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> But she's trying real hard. She's here, and she's uh, actually. I, I was I was worried that you were gonna like destroy your voice from what it sounded like. But you actually sound kind of better as you keep going. So mm. I'm, I'm impressed at the dedication. Thanks. Oh, it is morning for them, so her voice would have been, you know, yeah, probably disused. So we have been up with the baby for many hours. Oh yeah. <laughs> Last night one easy. But so it's in part. They even say it's because the the trains mainly follow the canals because the canals were already there. They were there to begin with, and they can't control where those go or the rivers, whatever you want to call them. So I get that, but there's no reason that you can't connect, make extra lines connecting outside of that. And really, I think it's it's one of these all roads lead to Rome sort of things where it's like we maintain our importance by keeping ourselves the center of everything by you always have to go through here. And so it's understandable that these cities are not super happy about that. And uh, he's like, oh, man, maybe I should pay more attention to this stuff. I assume that, like, I'm benefiting from these policies also. And Starris is like, dude, you like you live off of these policies. The stuff that uh, that your that your house makes would be undercut dramatically without all these taxes. So you voted for maintaining them twice and raising them once. He's like, wait, I have. And she's like, well, I mean, I did. You told me to see to the voting for your house but as she points out they also used it to try to maintain a centralized government for the basin so that all the cities have an interest in everybody staying together and not breaking apart into cities like a million different little city states which i mean i guess arguably that's a good thing it's better for everyone to be united and you're not having wars against each other or something but at the same time you're kind of shitting on all of the other cities to do that so and he's just like she points out and he points out that he just gets like distracted and disinterested whenever house business is comes up. Like he has trouble getting caring or wanting to be involved in all. He's like, you know, I came back and did my duty to lead the house. But geez, all this stuff is boring. Although he what he says, he's like, I, I just don't have the mind for this. And she's like, you do have the mind. It's it's not your mind, it, but what you mind that is the issue, which I thought was a really clever little and wax says. Um, like Wax even thinks that's clever. He's like, Steris, you're a delight. How could anyone think you were dull? 
And when he says that she's not dull, she's like, well, what about when I asked you to help me review my list of preparations for the trip? And he's like, the list was 27 pages long. <laughs> this made me think of the episode of Friends where he's like, back. you had rambled on for eight pages front, front and, and back. back. <laughs> yep. See, it's interesting you bring that up because another part of these chapters reminded me of Friends. Not that bit, but when he finds the book Stairs has been reading, I just imagine Joey going, this is porn! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I see that. And he doesn't know what a vicar is. I think that's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Joey. That word? <laughs> so she, she made a 27-page list of stuff, and he's like, how did you bring all this stuff? She's like, oh, I didn't. I just... I feel, I made a list of everything we might need, and that way, if we discover that we did need it, at least that I can feel good knowing that I thought we might. So imagine you've gone on your holiday, and you're going to go on a hike, and you've forgotten your hiking boots. And then you're like, you know what, though? I did think about this. I did put it in my list. I didn't bring them. It doesn't help me now, but I feel better knowing that I thought about them and left them at home. <laughs> I don't know that that would make me feel better, but I I, I can no, see how it might make, make some people feel, feel better. <laughs> that would make me feel worse. I'd be like, man, I thought about it. I should have packed them. I didn't. What an idiot. Well, the amount of times I've left the house going, like, I thought to myself, I need to grab this before I leave the house. And two seconds later, I'm out the front door in the car, and I have Without not taken that, that thing. thing. And I'm just yeah. like, what the fuck was I doing? Yeah. <laughs> Why did I do that to myself? All the time, yep. It was the reason I left the house. <laughs> And he's like, but you brought all those boxes. And she's like, oh, yeah, that's all our house finances. We have an accountability report to prepare for the banks by next month. And he's like, but we have accountants. And she's like, yeah, but that's their work. I get it. You can't just turn in someone else's work without making sure it was done right. Besides, they're three clips off in the quarter's financials. Three clips out of how much money? Five million. So and I think that's five million boxings, not clips. And so. It, and it sounds like th- there are 100 clips in a boxing. So he's like, they're three hundredths of a boxing off out of five million. I, that's pretty good. That, so <clears throat> what? That's uh, three cents out of five mil dollars. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. So, yeah, you know, I would be OK with that, too. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, Richie Rich over here, but three cents matters to this guy. Uh, and uh, she's like, well, I mean, that is within the threshold, but it's sloppy is, is all. We have to look good. And he's already getting distracted again. She's like, you're doing it again. And she's going to, she's like, here, let me show you something, basically. And uh, she gets up to grab something. And it's a little shady that the second her back is turned, he's like, what was she so interested in? And he like sneaks over and grabs her book that she was reading and clearly trying to hide from him. And it is anatomy sketches with descriptions explaining human reproduction. And she sees him and is staring at him horrified. Which, fair. Yeah, I think I'm going to throw up now. And and now it's very awkward. And Wax is like, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I guess you don't have any experience in these matters. She's like, I keep asking, but no one will explain it to me. They're just like, you'll figure it out. The body knows what to do. But what if mine doesn't? What if I do it wrong? And uh, she, she even tried to interview some prostitutes. A trio of very nice young ladies met them for tea. But... When they discovered who she was, they got weirdly protective and also wouldn't give her any details. Which, why? At that point. <laughs> and Kat, stop, seriously. Um, 
And she's like, they, they seem to think I was cute. What about being a spinster could possibly be cute? Do you realize I'm almost 30? And he's like, oh, yeah, one foot in the grave, clearly. Man, between this and Serene and Elantris, who's like, you know, an, an old maid at 25, I'm like, there is something odd about this. Yeah, well, you know, in older societies, people are married younger. I get I it. Yes, sure. Yeah, what well, was Juliet, like 14? Yeah. I mean, there's the, the, you know, being married younger, but there's also your responsibility to present an heir, which gets harder as you get old. Sorry, get harder as you get older as well. Mm, so yeah, I kind of get the biological clock thing. Fair. And yeah, and that's what she's saying. She's like, I'm the one on a deadline to provide something useful here. And they kind of have this talk where, I mean, she's like, yeah, there's my money as well as the kids. And he's like, well, and I'm just the title, right? Like, it goes both ways. And then she's like, well, you you can shoot things, too. Murdering is very traditional. It goes all the way back. <laughs> he's like, well, I mean, if we're talking tradition, then the imper- in the Imperial pair, it was the lady who did the murdering. Which, most of the time, yeah. I mean, Ellen, when, after he became a Mistborn, he killed plenty of, mostly Coloss, I guess. Not with as much style yeah. as Vin. It's true. It's hard to be as stylish as Vin. And uh, Wax tries to make her feel better by being like, well, you know, we don't have to be involved all that often once a child is provided. And uh, then that makes her even sadder, which, yeah, I mean. Yeah, nice, not the nice right job, thing to Wax. say, bro. And she's like, no, I mean, you know, that's what our arrangement was. I wrote it after all. I know. And he's thinking about and talking about, like, what she's done for him these last few months and how awesome she's been. And he's like. I mean, you know, what we are together doesn't have to be just what's in the contract. That doesn't have to set our bounds. And she's like, but that's the purpose of a contract, to define and set bounds. Uh, I know you're reckless, Waxillium, but really, come on. (laughs) Are you suggesting we bend the contract? So hot. (laughs) Scandalo. For her, maybe. I mean, it's like that's there's some there's some forbidden like contract bending going on Ooh. yeah yeah uh, or maybe she'd have the opposite reaction like no we can't go outside the contract i wrote that contract bending huh is that as cool as water bending or no 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 i don't think so <laughs> that's where my mind went to and i was like yep oh, air bending water bending <laughs> contract bending <laughs> that's what they call lawyers in uh in <laughs> republic <laughs> city yeah <laughs> contract benders the most uh, dangerous of all. Wax does yeah, a man, really it's like soul bending. Ugh. Wax does a really weird metaphor about the cords and how the cords are like life and you know he's like human nature to reach out and discover stuff, but the law has to keep us from in check so that there's not like all these cords running and tangling up with each other. Just a really awkward metaphor. Yeah, I think Gump needs to go back in the forest. And then she's like, yeah, but what about, like, the the chase? Aren't you interested in that? Which he is. And she's like, well, that's what these finances are like. There's a mystery here. Where did these three clips go? Isn't it, you know, don't you want to figure it out? And he's just like, ah, fine, I guess we can look. You know, he's, he's just going to humor her. Because, like, in large part, it seems like because she is so excited and, like, into this, he's like, okay, you know. Since this is something that she's really excited about, then I will, for her, get into this, even if I'm not really interested. And that's the end of that first chapter. Then we get our first bit of uh, broadsheet, 
which in this case is the new, uh, I think it's like new Ascendant or something. It is a new Saran broadsheet, it says. And we get Allomancer Jack presents Nikki Savage, paranatural detective in the constructs of antiquity. So in case anyone had so my my ver- my version didn't have like it written out after. So no, yeah, mine really doesn't this it. time either. So he's been demoted from Gentleman Jack back to Alamansa? I, I don't know. Maybe only that one newspaper had the Gentleman Jack. But uh, and this is not even an Alamancer Jack adventure. This is Alamancer Jack presents somebody else's adventure. And uh, it is Nikki Savage, who, in case anyone was wondering, uh, pretty sure that is the same person as Nacelle Sauvage from the previous uh, broadsheet. The the lady in the broadsheet who found, like, the alien or whatever. Oh, when I was talking about earlier. Yeah, exactly. That's why I was like, what do you mean who? You were just talking about this lady. I didn't remember the name. Come on, Dick. Jeez, but sorry. Jen, we got we got Nikki Savage, who... Uh, there's been talk about this, like they're uh, based, uh, not not necessarily based just off of this, uh, what we'll read in this broadsheet. But there's a uh, like it seems like from what Brandon said that this character may be supposed to be like Jack's protege or something. And so now she's an adventurer out there, you know, doing whatever. And uh, people have asked him if he'd ever let anyone else write a story in the Cosmere because he's worked with some people and done like co-writing or whatever on some of his other series like he did some short stories for his skyward sci-fi series where he wrote them with someone else and he was they're they're like would you ever let anyone write something in the cosmere and he's like his uh the guy who's been with him a long time who's done a lot of his illustrations really good illustrator he's done a lot of the pictures that we've seen and he does the maps so uh really uh he is wanting to write a book that's like a, a nikki savage adventure basically and so uh, that may be a thing that happens. And it's like, mm. it's something about mummies. I got to, he said the name of it. And now I have to look it up. Hold on. Nikki Savage and the case of the howling mummy. Isaac Stewart and Nikki Savage. Let's see what it says. So you say howling mummy, but I just sort of pictured a mummy screaming like those goats. Yeah. Well, when I say <clears throat> howling mummy, the, the, um, the twist of it is it's actually a werewolf mummy. uh okay so the book or the short story is tentatively titled boatload of mummies okay i like mine better but that's fine (laughs) write my own mummy book with blackjack and hookers Uh, but i I gotta say i would i would 100 percent read a mummy story where it's like oh my god we've awakened this ancient curse and the twist is actually a mummified werewolf and everyone's like absolutely did not see that coming yeah, maybe guys. I I mean I I'm good at the ideas. Okay, <laughs> maybe <laughs> the the Universal Monsters shared cinematic universe had ever happened. Yeah, then that maybe, would have been uh, so okay. For Joe's benefit, I will go into some detail on the various broadsheet things since he couldn't read it. So Nikki Savage's story. It says that when a thief steals a large map of New Saran, Miss Savage is on the case. The map's secret pocket contains her father's parting gift to her. The location of a tribe of metal beings, the Kalkis, long-lost creations of the Lord Ruler. Currently, the only one keeping our daring debutante from the secrets of the unknown constructs of antiquity (laughs) is the magical burglar she calls the Haunted Man. (laughs) The Haunted Man. And so we have her arriving at a gondola, and the Haunted Man is smiling at her with his freaky device when the door slams shut on the gondola and he's inside. And so she runs along and... uh, Let's see. Uh, 
digs out her trusty little bottle of chromium for a quick swig. So she has uh, some misting powers related to what we're talking about. And then the, this part, by the way, this, this is part two of the adventure, the ghastly gondola. And we see a little more in the corner where it says the monks of Baz Corps had trained me well. Their practice moves designed to get a leecher close enough to touch another Alamancer and drain them of their reserves. But it was oh, the ballet lessons. Yeah, I know. They're just popping up, right? But it was the ballet lessons that enabled me to jump from the platform, and that's the end of that. So she she trained with the monks of Ba's Corps, but also took ballet lessons. More monks and their secret teachings of psychoticsness. <laughs> uh, there's a story about how a gondola broke down and stranded some passengers for a while. There's a play, the up. Uh, I'm sorry, the den, the den of the survivor. A crew of freedom fighters rise up against oppression and overthrow mm. corrupt government. There's like a message. So it sounds here. like, uh, yeah. Well, no, the den of the survivor. I mean, that sounds like a play about them overthrowing the Lord Ruler. Mm-hmm. But they're they're like making really giant the letters where it's like rise up against oppression, overthrow a corrupt government. There's also a bit at the bottom that says drink to the health of Elendil, though. So that's good. And then we get. What I think is a very interesting one where it's like Bilming's new and cut off quote and then in quotes amuse Elendel. So apparently the city of Bilming uh, invited some Elendel elite out to uh, see something. And in the harbor, there are a row of ships, a bunch of normal ships, but also these new warships developed by the mayor and the late Dr. Florin Mullen. Each ship carries eight 12 inch guns with each turret having a range of 16 miles, reinforced armored hulls, top speed of 24 miles an hour. We call them pewter knots. But the, uh, the members of the Elendel delegation were like, oh, what an amusing display of toys. Why do we need warships? The basin is alone on the land. From whom would we need protection? So, yeah, I wonder. Next chapter. Marisai is looking at uh, some of the notes from Raylor, the Chandra, uh, who's kind of crazy because his lost spike and there's an image of a monster a burning red face distorted mouth mouth horns and spikes black eyes and there's a clip from a little interview and ray lord just calls it the beast the beast it guarded the bracers no no it was before fallen from the sky the sky the darkness above it has it has no eyes it looks at me it's looking at me now further questioning was delayed for an hour as ray lord whimpered in the corner un- inconsolable all right. And then she pulls out the Lord Mistborn's book. And here she actually calls him Lustborns in case there was any doubt about who it was. <laughs> yeah. What a guy. And uh, interesting, because we were just talking in the last episode about the Lord Ruler getting all this knowledge of how, like, hemallergy and stuff worked when he ascended or took the power from the Well of Ascension. And here Spook is like, I mean, even the Lord Ruler had trouble getting this right. Like, he's Colossus Rossum and everything but they weren't perfect. And even like the conjure are better, but they turn into piles of goop if they don't have spikes and can't reproduce on their own. So you can create lots of stuff with the hemallergy by rewriting somebody's spiritual aspect, but it's kind of useless because there's a million ways to screw it up for every good result. So just stick to transferring powers. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah. Just stick to killing people and stealing their stuff. Yeah, exactly. Is this an extract? Sorry, is this an extract out of the book that Marsh gave? Yeah. Okay, and that's just like one of Spook's notebooks, isn't it? Well, it seems to be he specifically wrote this little book about hemallergy so that the practice wouldn't be forgotten. Because I was just 
she makes a comment and it's so casual. Yeah. And I was reading it and I'm going, oh, my God, why would you write a book like this? <laughs> I hope the words are founding out like that. <laughs> Just very cheering of the diary. <laughs> yeah, at least it's not in High Imperial. There you go. I, I like he's still known as the survivor of the flames. They haven't forgotten that. The governor who ruled mankind in benevolence for a century. Hmm, so. You like that, huh? You like that he's still known as the survivor <laughs> of the flames. You don't find it ridiculously <laughs> ridiculous? Hey, he survived some flames, okay? Yeah, with Ruin's help. But no, it's I, I find it more interesting that he apparently ruled for 100 years. Something going, and then yeah. I mean, it sounds like he hemallergied himself from what yeah. I'm reading. Could like, be. Sounds sounds like he spiked himself up. Yeah. Sounds like he maybe experimented on a few things. <laughs> oh my God! What if that's what he did to his harem of women? Oh, oh God! He even admits to having Breeze, the counselor of the gods, write most of his speeches for him. So all his famous quotes and stuff, not actually yeah. from him. We God, definitely just... know Spook is not good at words. He's just a big fat phony. Yeah, he's, he's just a, a phony. phony. <laughs> you know, it's just it's annoying because it's like you know I think he's so great. It's like this is the guy that if you'd left him to his own devices, you would have just asked women why they were sad. He that he knew <laughs> why they were sad. Like uh, he's the worst. And apparently, his suggestion was to get the elderly or terminally ill and then ask them to sacrifice themselves so that their power could be used by someone else. Yeah, that's uh, that's not messed up at all. Wow. What? This, this guy's a great guy. <laughs> this is not okay. No. Hey, so you know how, like, you're going to die soon, right? What if I, what if we just speed up the process and steal your power? That'd be okay for you? I don't consent to this. Your co- <laughs> what is it? What is it? Uh, your compliance isn't a factor. <laughs> so you can't hear you. Shoving spike through your heart. Yeah, this will probably hurt a lot. Hope you hope you have fun being dead. I'm gonna take your power now. And so then she moves on to thinking, how am I gonna find this spike? And so if there was an explosion, she's thinking, then the leftover like pieces would have looked still human, so they probably would have been like disposed of like any other corpse. So that's a lead. And then she hears Wayne, and Wayne is drinking some of some other people's wine and chatting. And uh, she asked him, oh, mooching wine? And he's like, nah, they're drinking bubbly. Can barely stand the stuff. I'm mooching accents. Got to get a feel for how the people in New Saran talk. And uh, what are you doing here? And she's like, oh, I just wanted to spread out. And she's like, you realize that we have a whole train car, right? That Wax rented for us. We got six rooms. And then the waiter shows up. And Wayne says, liquor. And he's like, can you be more specific? And Wayne says, lots of liquor. No bubbly. And then they have a discussion about, she's like, does it bother you being in his shadow, Wayne? And of course, Wayne has to joke. His own, he's, I mean, I know he's been putting on weight, but he's not that fat. And But but seriously, Wayne is kind of like, you know, sometimes it's easier when people aren't looking at me. Like, they can look at him, and then I get to, like, listen. And she's feeling a little uh, kind of a way about not being the Kandra's first choice. Uh, but also, people at the precinct assume that if she does something awesome, it must be because of his help. And Wayne's like, no, you're important. You help out a lot. Plus, you smell nice and not all bloody and stuff. Because she said that she feels like she's an appendage. And he's like, no, appendages don't smell nice. They're kind of gross. I cut one out of a fellow once. You mean an appendix? Sure. <sighs> Wayne. And Wayne's just like, it comes down to it. He's like, you know, you don't have to stay and hang out with us. In fact, I seem to remember Wax trying to get you to not be involved. And she's just like, I know, but I've, 
I was thinking maybe this once I could do something important on my own. But if we do all this work and we get to conjure the spike back, they'll thank him anyway. And that's when we find out about the fella that Wayne knew, who uh, he he figured that he would uh, take people on safaris, essentially, to see lions out in the roughs. Chip was his name. And basically a lot of bad things happened to Chip. Him and his girlfriend got in a fight about the money he made. Yep. She, and so she, he, she stabbed him in the junk. Stabs him in his holster, if you know what I mean. Constables find him. Says that you can't be killing no lions. There's law about it, see? They're a national treasure. So then he goes to jail and gets his fingers broken. And that's the end of his story. And she's like, what, that's it? Well, you want more to happen to the poor fellow? Right? Sadistic of you, Marisai. And his point is, sometimes when I'm feeling real bad, I think about that guy. I'm like, well, Wayne, at least you ain't uh, you ain't as bad off as that guy. I'm not going to. We're not going to quote that. And then he winks at her. And she's just like, oh, jeez. Also, they packed in another one of those earrings she discovers in a little pouch, among the other things, just in case, Waxillium. And she takes, she gets up, heads back to their private car, where she finds Wax and Steris crawling around, looking at papers on the floor and on the seats and everywhere else. And Wax is like, aha, I found it. He found the last of the three missing clips in the tips section. And Steris is like, you bastard. How'd you figure this out? And Marisol's like, holy, what, what? I've never heard her curse. <laughs> and I love Wax's thing. It's like, Wayne would say it was because I'm brilliant. And Sarah's like, Wayne has the mental capacity of a fruit fly. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you, you get him. You get him, Stairs. I mean, we know how mean he is to her. So yeah, it's that's all what I'm good. Saying. I'm being genuine. I'm saying you get him. No, I'm saying I agree because of that. <laughs> uh, I'm Look, I mean, in fairness, like she's got a point. The man said, like, asked, oh, what drink would you like? And he says, liquor. And when asked to narrow it down, he says, lots of liquor. I'm like, that's not helping you. That's not helping the waiter. That's not helping anyone. How do you think this is a good idea? Yeah. Well, I don't think it – I think he just doesn't care. It's not like a lack of intelligence thing. It's just like, yeah, I, I don't really care. You're he just, just likes not. to mess with people. Yeah. yeah. Mm. It's not going to get him the right booze. <laughs> and I mean, he, got, he got whiskey. I think he was happy with it. Uh, so she – they try to explain to her what's going on, and she's just like, um, yeah, okay, I'm too tired for this shit. Here's – take a look at these papers. Pay attention to the drawing of the monster, and here's that earring also. And so she walks back to her door, looks out the front window towards the rest of the train, which she's surprised to see is moving off into the distance. And she stares at that for a second until the door at the other end bursts open, and there's a guy standing there with a gun, and he fires it down the corridor. Which I guess we could have stopped there. That would have been dramatic ending. I kind of like where we stopped better. But Yeah. And uh, we cut back to Steris, who's congratulates. Like, I think you have a real talent for this, Wax. And uh, he stops paying attention because he's uh, he's real good at sensing what's going on around him. He's like, wait, train slowing. The sounds of the engine are retreating. Doors opening. This is bad. And so he starts burning steel. And Steris is still talking. And he is already in motion as a bullet flies passed in the hallway and he slams it sideways against the wall potentially saving marisai's life there so that's good and so he goes out in the hallway he pushes himself out off of that earring he's like damn vendel and shoots the surprised man in the forehead stara sticks her head out in the hallway not the smartest move but she'd rarely been in gunfights and wax is like get her to cover and then he sees the guys on horseback and he's like horses really okay and he sees that this is not an attack on them because most of the horseback men are riding towards the rest of the, or along with the rest of the train. So 
it's a full-blown robbery, not some sort of assault specifically on wax. Which I don't, I don't know whether whether it'd be like I guess that's lucky or if it's the exact opposite of that, but whatever. He starts doing his stuff, killing some bad guys, and they're like, Alamancer, look out! And he pops back into the compartment where Marisai and Steris have gathered uh, the servants and such into one room. And he tells them it's robbers, and Steris is like, really? Lord Waxillian, must you bring your hobbies with you everywhere you go? And so his theory is that the, the thieves recognized this one as a private car, so they disconnected it, assuming that it would be you know, somebody rich that they could plunder easily. And uh, he's like, something's wrong. And Marisai's like, I mean, other than the people trying to kill us? And Steris is like, no, no, in, in my experience, that's normal. <laughs> Just Steris has come a long way. <laughs> and... He says, no, it's that they're riding horses. Horseback train robberies are like out of magazines, like story magazines. Nobody actually does that. There's no reason to act- to board a moving train and possibly die like falling off when you can just stop it. So Red Dead Redemption is a lie? <laughs> Did you, I don't well, remember. they may not have had the tech to stop it as Alamancers. So. I don't remember. Yeah, I, don't, I don't remember. Uh. Robbing a moving train in route. I remember tying oh, people you to the train tracks. No, oh, the event. He's Red Dead 2, buddy. In the prologue, oh, okay, you yeah, rob a I train. Didn't, I didn't play much of Red Dead 2. Oh, it's in the prologue. It's great. Well, yeah. I, then I must have played it because I did play the prologue. I just don't remember it, I guess. And in fairness, the amount of times in that game I have spent riding around jumping from my horse onto a train. <laughs> <laughs> Longer than this book, I can tell you that. Can confirm I've seen you do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fun. Here's where we were talking about Wax gets out behind the train, increases his weight, pushes against the train while also pushing like the tracks in the ground behind him. And he just shoves the train and then he starts kind of bouncing behind it and shoving it more and more until he gets up enough speed to reconnect it with the rest of the train, which is really impressive. He asks Marisai if she's seen Wayne and she's like, he was in the dining car. It's like, OK, he'll be fighting already. And then she notes that he's worried and Wax says, yeah, no masks. Robbers wear masks. Men who don't, they don't care if they're seen. They're already outlaws and don't have anything to lose. They'll kill more easily. Not to mention that apparently they've never tried to rob a train before, as far as he's concerned. So either they're desperate or someone put them up to this. So it could still be a sideways attack uh, aimed at Wax. You don't think this attack is a coincidence. If it is, I'll eat Wayne's hat. And then he takes that shotgun that Renette sent and two of the cord sphere contraptions and gets her to provide a distraction. And so as part of their plan, Marisai pops out, starts shooting a bunch to distract them while Wax goes up and around into the air and then comes down like behind them while they're distracted by Marisai and shoots him up good or wants to. The guy punches him in the gut, which we find out later, I believe, broke his metal vials that he has in his gun belt. So that's unfortunate. And he also notes that without some sort of mark to identify the bandits, uh, he's going to have trouble telling them apart from all the regular people cowering around. <laughs> Part of her distraction was uh, putting one of his favorite hats out there to get shot up. That was a good little. And here's where he notices, talking to Marisai again after he's taken out the robbers, that uh, he's out of metal. His metal vials are broken and his extra ones are stored somewhere else. And Steris holds out a little vial. Of steel, and he's like, "When do you? Since when do you carry these?" And she's like, oh, "About six months ago, I started put. I put one in my purse in case you needed it, and I carry two more because I'm neurotic." <laughs> and then he downs it and nearly chokes. What the hell is this? Cod liver oil? Whiskey is bad for you, Lord Maxim. A wife must look out for her husband's health. 
<laughs> so I might have just forgotten. It's like, do they have to be reserved in like alcohol or some other strong substance like cod liver oil? Can they not just be in like water? No, I think they can. I I don't know for sure. I assumed that they could be in anything, but in the original Mistborn series, it was like some sort of alcohol solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe that does play a part. I don't know why, but I would hmm. assume that maybe it keeps it clean. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. I hadn't actually thought of that. Because I would assume water sitting in a vial, even if it's sitting in a vial, if it's not sealed properly, it could still like get something in it that could make you sick. Yeah, contaminate. Well, it's already got metal in it. We've seen people like take metal basically dry, like it, when it was necessary. So it's not like to work; it has to be suspended in something. But maybe long term, I don't know. Yeah, I'm just wondering if it's like if it's like a preservation sort of thing, hmm, like preserving yeah. the metal flakes. Like, I don't know. Can you get me that jar of pickled metal? <laughs> I honestly thought it was just to be more effective at getting the metal in easier to drink it Maybe. Like in the first book, when Wax explains that he uses whiskey for his, he's, just, he's like, you know, why, why not? Why waste a perfectly good opportunity to drink some whiskey? As he's progressing down the train, he sees a, some guys, hears some shots, and... He notes that there's an armed bank guard from the looking at the guy's uniform. So there is a payroll shipment disguised as if it was regular cargo. Also, he smells something weird on the air and he, he thinks formaldehyde. And so he busts in, shoots several of the robbers. They take cover. They're shooting back. There's an explosion. Another one for Steris's list of explosions that happen around him. It was a small blast as explosions went, but still. And so then they, I guess, they, they got the vault open with the explosion, and so they take the money, and they're taken off. And he goes back for the wounded guard, and the wounded guard's like, the, the money! He's like, no, they, they got the money. It's not worth risking more lives over. They threw bottles through the windows, and then the doors were ripped off, steel doors. And uh, he's like, oh, crap, the bandits have Metalborn, too. Great. And this is where a hulking brute, almost seven feet tall, comes uh, his way. And he's wondering what's up with the train and why it's, like, continuing. Does the engineer not know, or is he open to get to the next town? Which I don't know why. I don't know that stopping is going to help you any more than um, anything else. So let's see. And then a little cube. As he's planning how to take down the brute, a little cube flies in the door. And he thinks it's going to explode, but then nothing happens. And that's when he realizes that he has no more metal. Somehow his steel reserves have vanished. Yeah, so it makes it look as though, oh my god, what has this cube done to him? But really, it was like the guard that he was pressing on is just a plant. Uh, is also, yeah. also a leecher who has leached his metals. Yeah, that is, that is one piece of information that we got from the broadsheet, at least, is that she has these special moves that are supposed to get you close enough to touch someone and leach their metals. So you can't do it from far away, it sounds like. Hmm. And we cut back to Marisai, who's... Uh, Shooting at the bandits who have come up again. Uh, the, I guess Wax went around them or they came when when he wasn't looking. And while she's shooting, Steris is in charge of reloading. And uh, the valet, Druton, is uh, he says something and she pulls out one of her earplugs and she says what? And he goes, are those earplugs? And she's like, what? Stupid ass question. What do you think? You just carry those with you? Steris does. Apparently... <laughs> Uh, like Steris had just pulled out a pair of earplugs for herself and for herself, and then 
handed a pair to Marisai also. You ex- so you expected this? And Marisai's like, yeah, more or less. This sort of thing happens often? And then she turns to Steris. I don't know, would you say often, Steris? And this, of course, Steris has to pull an earplug out, too. The valet wants to know if this sort of thing happens to us often. Well, you more than me, Steris says. But when Lord Waxillium is around, things do tend to pop up. Like a very, it seems like a very Abbott and Costello bit. They're in the middle of a gunfight, and they're talking about the earplugs and everything. He's like, what was that? <laughs> it, yeah, it's, it does. Now that you say that, that's fun. And I I just love Steris's attitude here so much, where she's like, did you not inquire about your prospective master before entering his employ? And he's like, well, I mean, you know, I knew that he was interested in the constabulary, but... And Steris just clicks her tongue disapprovingly, and Marisai's thinking, like, yeah, this guy didn't do his homework, which, in Steris's eyes, is, like, a dreadful sin, so... <laughs> Guess who's getting fired? So, just no one has any sympathy for this guy who is, like, oh, God, they're gonna kill us, like, what's going on? And they're like, did you really do no research? It's not our problem, dude. And he's he's like, is he gonna come back? Once he's finished. Finished with what? And Steris says, killing the rest of them, hopefully. And Marisol's like, geez, she's kind of bloodthirsty. I mean, she hadn't qu- quite been the same since her kidnapping 18 months back. Yeah, I can see how being kidnapped uh, by those guys and the stuff that happened subsequent to that would give her little uh, pity for robbers. Was that? And, you know, she's trying to be supportive to Wax, and this is what Wax does. So there you go. She's like, yeah, just kill them all. Get it over with. Let's finish this up. Gunfights? I hadn't expected actual gunfights. Aren't the servants usually left out of such extravagances? And Marisai says, most of the time. And then Steris goes, except when the house blew up. And, you know, <laughs> Marisai says, best not to mention that. And he's like, what? She's like, don't, don't worry about it. And even Marisai's like, if the man couldn't do a little research before taking the job, I mean, geez. Wait, what exactly happened to Lord Latrian's previous valet? <laughs> oh, now, now I want to know. I was going to say, it's like, do we do we know? I don't think we do. Okay, because I know that <laughs> in the last chapters, Hoyd got replaced by that other dude. Right. So Hoyd's clearly fucked off at some point, but... Yeah, I didn't expect him to stick around long. Well, no, but still. And then there's the there's the moment where a bandit walks up holding a woman hostage with, like, a gun to her head, and Marisai just pops him right in the forehead without hesitating, and... The guy's like, Druton is like, you could have hit the woman. And Marisai's just like, no, statistics say, you know what, shut up. <laughs> is this like a, a once a book thing now? Marisai just pops someone and blows their brains all over the wall. Right. I'm OK with it. Yeah, yeah. As, as long as it's supported by the statistics, then I'm good. <laughs> I, I, I relate strongly to Marisai when it comes to following the statistics. <laughs> that was a large part of my psych degree involves statistical analysis. I mean, we could. I feel like she missed an opportunity to go. Statistics say you should shut up. <laughs> All the evidence points to kiss my ass. And so uh, she's Marisai goes down to look at the people. Somebody needs some medical attention, and she's like, "I wonder if Steris brought some bandages or medical equipment." The chances are slim, but it was Steris, so who knew what she'd planned for? But when she gets back, Steris is gone. And the guy's like, uh, the guy that she placed on guard there is like, "Oh yeah, she uh, she left a few minutes ago, moving up the train." She seemed very determined about something. And we cut back to Wax, who is like, what just happened? That's impossible. How could my metal reserves be gone? And he pulls out. I'm sorry. So he finds the giant bandit has stepped in between the cars and the doors are rattling. 
and Wax goes into the hallway and lifts his gun. It is pushed out of his fingers with a capital P push. So Wax knows now that this there's a coin shot here. And so he has to get rid of uh, his gun belt and other metal. There's breakaway buckles so that his gun belt can rip free. It's a good plan. And uh, so Wax goes forward now with no metal, dodges the first punch, and punches the guy in the side. And it felt like punching a steel wall. That's unfortunate. It's been years since he'd gotten into a real fist fight, and he's slower than he'd once been. And like, there's like, geez, where's Wayne? This is not, this is not my deal. And uh, he manages to hit the guy three times in the face, and the guy just smiles at him. And not only is he a coin shot, he's actually kind, like, he's got uh, a bubble similar to what Wax uses, where he's pushing around him. So he's kind of an advanced coin shot, since Wax is the only one that we've ever seen that could do something like that. And he's like, this this guy could be using his Alamancy to just end me. But he wants a hand-to-hand fight. And as if to prove this fact, the guy raises his fist and nods to Wax, like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> Ding, ding, motherfucker. <laughs> and so Wax does, uh, it says, or thinks, to hell with that. And he turns and runs off and, like, pushes open a door and goes for the window. And the guy's like, hey! <laughs> That's my favorite part. The guy just keeps going like, hey, come back! <laughs> hey, hey, man, I nodded. And, uh, like, he's, Wax thinks of a Wayne quote where he's like, you can beat anybody so long as you don't let them fight back properly. <laughs> Which really... It's absolutely the best move here when clearly you are not going to win a fist fight against this guy. Don't have a fist fight against him. <laughs> and he's wondering why this guy's even bothering to chase him. Like, they got what they wanted. They got the money and shit. Why is he coming after Wax? And then the guy pops up and he's got one of Wax's gun belts in his hand, which is unfortunate. And the guy pulls out the shotgun. And I don't know, maybe it doesn't say that he's like a brute in terms of uh, ferrochemy. Wax just calls him a brute so often that I was thinking that was the case, but it's not uh, like it capital B brute. Say, yeah, it doesn't explicitly say, but that's just kind of the general sense I got, because it's like he punches him and it doesn't do, like, anything. Well, and he's so freaking huge. Yeah, and it doesn't say he's, like, you know, coloss-blooded or gray-looking or anything like that. It doesn't say, like, his skin looks weird or anything. So. Yeah. Well, I think just in my brain, because brute is the term for those fairings who can use strength. And he call, he calls him a brute through the whole thing because he doesn't have a name for him. So I think in my mind, like, he was. And I don't know. Maybe he is. Maybe he's not. He could just be a really giant guy who's good at fighting. He just hits the gym. Uh. Yeah. Don't skip arm day. Um, <laughs> but he fires the shotgun at Wax, and the kick takes him completely by surprise and rips the gun out of his fingers which lands, falls back between the cars. And while he's distracted, howling because his hand hurts now, Wax tackles him, but the guy manages to stop himself before he falls off the train. But what Wax was really after was the gun belt and the metal vial, which he desperately needs at this point. It's real tough to fight coin shot when you don't have your own coin shot ability to use back at him. But the other guy is not going to let this happen, so he starts pushing it so that Wax cannot get the vial to his mouth, basically. He's trying to get rid of it. And Wax is thinking, what can I do? Like, he's holding on to the train and trying to hold on to the the vial, gun belt and vial. And it's like his arms are getting strained at the sockets because the guy's pushing against it so hard. And Wax is thinking, what can I do? What can I do? Is there some way I can use the, the devices? Yeah. Beneath him, the train starts to cross a bridge. 
and the thugs had, or the it now he calls him a thug. That's the first time he's done that. I think the thug advances on him, rolling his shoulders, trying to make a fist despite his broken thumb. I, I just love this image. Like he's like rolling his shoulders. He's getting his fist back up. Like, okay, we're going to fist fight now. Right. He really wants that. And that's when wax sees somebody coming up from the back of the car there, the tip of the gun in the air. And first he thinks Wayne He's like, no, Wayne wouldn't have a gun. Maybe it's Marisai. And it is Steris. She gets up there. She's got the shotgun. And he's like, oh, no, this is not good. The guy turns, sees her, and she pulls the trigger. The shot goes wild, but it does clip him in the arm. So that's the brute in the arm, rather, which is good. And makes him release his push on wax. But the kick sends her tumbling backwards and right off the side of the train. And that is where our chapter ends. Our section ends. Yep. If Steris dies, we riot. <laughs> so let us do let's do the predicaments where what, what's going on is uh is Steris gonna make it what's gonna happen and uh you know anything else you want to predig i think Steris is gonna make it purely because i don't want her to not make it mm. that would really suck she's got to have something are they still on the bridge uh last we heard they were over a bridge yeah is so it- she could have clipped herself onto the tr- side of train or something. I don't know. Now swinging <laughs> from the waist or something off the side of the train. I don't know. Maybe because if they're on a bridge, she's probably got a better chance than, you know, smacking into the ground or something. So mm. I'm going to say she does survive for sure. I don't really know where we're going. I was sort of interested by the reminder of, this book's book about hemology and what we've been talking about about investiture and identity. I'm really concerned that Spook has been conducting some experiments in his time. Mm. Um, you know, given obviously what he knows about being able to transfer power. Also, the fact that he was asking people to give up their lives to create new spikes. I was like, ugh, it's not good spook. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm a bit concerned about what's going to happen there, but I reckon, yeah, I, I reckon there's some some more shady hemology stuff going down. I think last time I was talking about uh, maybe some new abilities coming out, maybe something different to hemology, but I think I think I'm back to this book kind of focusing on the hemology stuff. Yeah, I still keep thinking about the women that have been kidnapped and i think it's probably less likely that they're being like breeding from the women i think they're probably trying to experiment on them oh yeah because i I just i feel like the set must know about this stuff it can't be a secret too many people know about it i think and particularly that we're going to new saran now that you've you've mentioned the conventicle of saran the there has to be there has to be that knowledge somewhere here of all of that. So, yeah, in terms of where the actual story is going, I'm not sure. But, yeah, that's I guess that's kind of all I've really got at the moment. Concerns for Spook renewed. Yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. I hadn't even really thought about that. Yeah, I mean, the conventicle of Saran was all about the, the hemolurgy going on there, and I, I kind of hadn't connected those things that were going to new Saran and that uh, – hemolurgy may be involved and it was yeah that's a good point there could that could be some foreshadowing yeah look i think that's like that also uh, sounds pretty 
sound. It's definitely like there's definitely hemallergic stuff going on in the background, and it's really making me uncomfortable. I don't want to know what Emperor Spook's um, aged care uh, um, health <laughs> plan was. It doesn't sound like it was anything fantastic. Tagline could be, "I know why you're sad." <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no! <laughs> there's nothing good about this guy. <laughs> no, no, like. Man, even even after like three books after we've stopped seeing him and he's and we're still just like, man, fuck this guy. He's just getting worse. I don't know. I don't I don't have too much to expand on that. I am very suspicious of Druton, the new valet. I feel like he's getting an, an unusual amount of focus. Like the last time a member of Wax's staff had this much focus, he tried to poison, shoot, and blow them up. So I wonder if we've got another hired plant in our midst trying to just spy on them. Mm. Yeah, no, I like I I I think he's he's gonna have a decent part to play in the plot. Yeah, that was hard. And yeah, no, I don't I don't trust him. He's yeah, and also like Wax has a reputation for being like destructive around. Mm-hmm. How the hell does he not get hired by the guy and not know that? Get hired by the guy and not know that? That's that's where I was going with that. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So, yeah, that guy's up to something. Cool. Yeah, okay. I mean, I mean, just in the broadsheet we saw last time, Wax is definitely a name that people know and that uh, crazy shit happens around him. So, yeah, you would think that uh, this would, that, you know, this would be uh, something potential employees would be aware of. <laughs> yep. Well, we got a shady valet, possibly. We've got... Shady, lots of stuff. Um, secret villain prediction number two from Dak, by the way. Sorry, yeah, I wasn't about secret that. villain. No, no, he's, secret he's, he, villain. He's, I mean, yes, but also like not primary antagonist. This guy's gonna, like, he'll, he'll be dead within like six chapters, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, he actually dies in the robbery right after this. Maybe, maybe, maybe st- like uh, he also just happened to fall off the train at the same time, and Steris lands on him, and so Steris is okay, but he was crushed, and he gasps out, <laughs> "Oh no, Mister Suit will not be happy." Yeah, so Stairs is like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Other than the predictions I've already made, I don't know what's going to happen so far. We're kind of just on our way to New Saran at this point, specifically with these robbers. Obviously, they're after more than just money. There was something in that bank thing that they're hauling that, that appears to be heavy. My guess is it's some kind of weapon or high-tech thing that somebody is after that they're that they're taking and i kind of get the sense these guys don't care if they're seen i'm getting the sense that they're probably are like they probably are with the set and that these guys are possibly people that have been experimented on already and already given powers like this the the dude that fought wax has like powers that weren't originally his perhaps like he was given these powers through hemallergy or whatever. And I think that's a very big possibility, especially because they seem to, he seemed to be carrying quite a few powers. Like if he was the leecher as well, then he's got leech powers and mm-hmm. he's got this ferrochemy brute power and he's a coin shot. Like it seems like there's probably too many powers going on here. And interesting to me that they were surprised that a Metalborn was there. So my thinking on that is, they weren't sent for Wax specifically. Wax just happened to be there while they were stealing whatever it was they were stealing in this vault that mm. is is a weapon or something. So that's uh that's what I'm gonna I'm gonna go with. 
as far as directly what's what's going on in the plot at this point. Um, because I think I've already kind of made predictions for, for what's going to happen in New Saran, so at least to an extent. But uh, that's all I got right now. Okay. So you don't agree with Wax that, it, that he's just like, there's no way this is a coincidence. I'll eat Wayne's hat. So you think we're gonna, he's going to have to eat Wayne's hat, basically? Yeah. I mean, okay. it's it's I don't think I don't think there are I think Wax is trying starting to figure out it's like it's not all about him. It's like he's there. Like why would they why would they shout out Metalborn if they were surprised that he was right. there? Sure. Or if they weren't surprised he was there, I mean. Um so, you know. Okay. That's fair. Yeah, it doesn't it, it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense unless I guess they could have known he was there but not known which car he'd be in, so it could be like, I mean I guess Oh, there's Metalborn here. I mean, the, the surprise of a metal, I mean, and they may have just been, sh- it may not have even been surprised. It may have just been like, hey, Metalborn. But, oh, like, yeah. but like, it shouldn't be, because it really shouldn't be a surprise to them. Because, I mean, there's enough people in the world that are Metalborn that it shouldn't be a huge surprise. Mm. But you, that's a good point. It's definitely something you would want to call out because that would change your approach. So even right. if it wasn't a surprise, you're like, hey, everybody needs to be on alert that this is a thing. Yeah, tactic. Mm. A metalborn can't can't do what we was gonna do so easily. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I was saying what we was gonna do as <laughs> like a thug. I that's not actually how I talk. My grammar's not that bad. Sure, sure. It's like no, I swear, I I, I talks real good. Ah, uh, dude, I got the best talking voices of all times. <laughs> I love that they used to talk about in Futurama how that one trucker guy. He just adds S's to everything he says. Yep. Whoa's. <laughs> but then he, t- he, take, he takes the S off words that have it, didn't he? He wants to go, whoa's, right. cripe. <laughs> whoa's, cripe. Yeah. It's, exactly. it's funny It's funny to see his, like, progress, because he was in, like, the second episode, and, like, you, uh, he, he starts adding S's at some point, and then you get more and more S's, and then I think it's when the <laughs> S's start falling off. So it's, like, it's, it's a weird progression. <laughs> I'm on loan from the Louvre. <laughs> if I wasn't lazy, I would, but you are lazy, right? Ah, oh, don't get oh, me started. Don't get me started. <laughs> uh, okay, good predicaments. Nothing, not, not, not a whole lot of new, but uh, we didn't get a whole lot of new information in this one. We got we got some more personal discussion and some uh, some action, but not a whole lot of info. So, uh, let's see. We got no new emails, no new reviews or patrons. So. That will not take up a lot of time at the end of this episode, basically. For next time, we are reading three more chapters. That is chapters 8, 9, and 10. So come back next time for three Mo chapters. Are you, are you worried that people aren't going to come back next time? Yeah. Are, are there going to be listeners who like get who get to like the, like these chapters of our podcast have, have, having hung in for over 100 episodes? It's like, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> You know what? Forget I'm so tired guys. of this. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we are already 28% of the way through this book. Yeah, these are shorties, but I like them. Yeah. So things things are going, and uh, so yeah, next time some more interesting stuff. If you'd like to send us an email, the address is thesanderlanch at gmail.com. That's with an e on the end, sanderlanch. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Somebody sent me a Facebook message the other day on our account asking for a link to the Discord. So sent them that. You can find us on Patreon. Forgot to mention that one. And just uh, just all over the place. Good stuff happening. I have just bought tickets 
for this year's Dragon Steel Mini Con in Salt Ooh. Lake City. Ooh. So uh, that I'm not I'm not 100% sure I will go. They uh, the the ticket you get a $10 discount for early bird. So I went ahead and bought it, but you can you can return and get your money back all the way up to like November 8th and the convention's November 14th and 15th. So I was like, you know what? I kind of I want to try to go. I'll go ahead and get the tickets and then if I can't then we'll see. But so my plan where, now Where is it? Salt Lake City. Okay. So yeah, it is Dragon Steel Minicon is like the the Sanderson mini convention just dedicated to all his stuff specifically. And so going to try to make it this year. Last year was the first one they did and I just couldn't do it last year. So I'm going to try to make it this yeah. year. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll talk to the wife. Maybe we can if you could go, maybe we'll make a trip out of it and Yeah, I and, thought I, I was thinking about asking you. I didn't know if you would yeah. uh, if you guys would want to try to do that. Yeah, I mean, well, maybe it's not going to be cool if too... we could meet up with some Go ahead. I was going to say there's not going to be anything too spoilerific there for Joe. That was a thought that I had and um it's a good question. I can't say for sure. I mean, I'll just run away it's just fine. make him make him close his <laughs> eyes it's fine yeah yeah right, it'd be cool if we if you know data may not be into this but i'd be willing to like if i could go i'd be willing to meet up with listeners if they wanted to like hang out yep there was some talk about that in the discord uh somebody's like hey after you guys finish we need just like a sanderlanch mini convention oh wow yeah. and i was like well nice. yeah, well five people show up it'll be great look i mean i'm i'm happy to meet you guys at a convention for brandon but i we don't i don't need a convention for me i'm not that interesting <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I'm, I have to look and see what all even happened last year. I mean, there's there's like some panels, there's discussions, there's exhibitors and stuff. So I don't, I do know that the the final event, the second day of the convention in the evening, is the release party for the new Mistborn book. So oh, wow, uh, because that's it. They they scheduled it then because that's when it comes out. Last year it was his new Skyward series book that came out and it was the big release event at the convention. So this year it'll be uh, the Mistborn one. So that'll yeah. be fun. Well, maybe I'll just go to non-Cosmere-related stuff at the con if I go. But uh, also, in, since you guys may not have uh, you know seen this sort of news, Brandon did make an announcement this week in his weekly update that uh, the next Stormlight book, which was supposed to come out 2023, is he's like it will almost certainly be delayed till 2024. Partly because of uh, stuff related to the the four secret books, but he's like mm. he's like not as that that part not as much as you would probably think because most of the work there's already done. Mostly it is because of movie and slash TV stuff that he can't talk Ooh. about yet. Ooh. Wow! And so the, the way he put it, this year is the year that Hollywood came knocking. So I bet uh, I, I would bet money it has something to do with being the highly publicized highest yes the ever Kickstarter. Kickstarter in history. So yeah, uh, that, I mean when you raise when you raise forty five million just purely from your fan base on a kick on Kickstarter, I would say Hollywood would pay attention to that. <laughs> so yeah, there's all sorts of of uh, of theories going around. It's like, ooh, what is it? He said that he doesn't necessarily want to do Stormlight right away because he doesn't. He wants to be really involved in like the writing for. He he thinks that should be a TV show, and he wants like a Game of Thrones type of thing, and he really wants to be involved in the writing and things of like that. But he doesn't feel like he's experienced enough in like writing that sort of thing to do that yet. So he wants to get more experience before diving into making that happen because he wants to do it right. So the theories are like, maybe it'll be Mistborn. Maybe it'll be one of his other properties. That's uh, one of his non Cosmere properties that have been hot. Like the, the Skyward books, they've uh, the it's a sci-fi series that's gotten a lot of attention. He's got Legion, which almost became a TV show already. So there's, there's all sorts mm -hmm. of other things that it could be. 
Yeah. Are the Skyward books off limits for us, or can we read those? Or? No, no, they're gonna. The, our 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 schedule for reading is that the Cosmere books will be first, and then we will read all of the other stuff that he's done. Ah. So yes, still off limits. That would be spoiling so, for what we will be doing. So we'll read we'll read them in like ten years. Yeah, yeah we'll read them never. Because well. I mean, I'll, I'll read them in my grave. Because <laughs> I mean, a hundred percent, it's gonna take us like a year per Stormlight book each, surely. So. Well, and there's there's been some talk about even in the Discord, people like that's gonna be a lot of stormlight in a row, and uh, you, we might uh, get a little tired of that, so uh, it can be kind of intense. So it's like maybe we will want to break that up a little bit and throw in some of that non-cosmere stuff just to give us uh, something else to do. But we'll see when we get there. We can that that will be something that we as a group can discuss. And it's like if we're you know getting to the end of the second stormlight book and you're like guys, we need a break, then yeah, you know, we can do a break. We can do I mean, the, the Skyward books are honestly about the same length as these books, so we could easily do, like, one or two of those and then not, you know, not have taken a huge detour. But, yeah, so that is uh, that is the plan we have. I have all I have everything currently released, all outlined, all pretty. Skyward's actually, I think, one of the very last things on the list. <laughs> Sorry, now you got me distracted by my list because we got, we got <laughs> Legion, which is actually Legion's a series of, like, novellas there's like three there's like mm. three short stories essentially but really interesting stuff then there's uh there's alcatraz versus the evil librarians which is a series of books that's real fun written for like a young audience but i think they're hilarious uh the reckoners that's another one that's gotten some hollywood attention we could be seeing that but that that is very and i don't want to spoil it, it, it but the concept is very similar to the boys so i don't know that they would be making that right mm. now yeah Although sometimes when a formula for something works, they do release something that's similar. But it's true. Yep. The way you get all these like, what was it after Jaws came out? They were all just like, oh, we're gonna do every single killer monster movie that we can think of. <laughs> yeah. Or do you remember when there were like two mall cop movies at the same time? I think that was just a weird coincidence, though. Nah, I think it was like studio spy espionage type stuff. Yeah, that's how right. we end up with like Deep Impact and Armageddon. Is that like? A studio hears that another studio is putting all this money into this concept, and they're like, "We can rush out a similar movie first and like beat them to the punch." Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think it worked then, out well well for Deep Impact, but still. Yeah, and sometimes way better. And then sometimes you get Finding Nemo versus Shock Tale. Oh man, Will uh, Smith made a bad choice there. What a what a terrible film. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry we we got off on a weird. If you uh, if you like Shark Tale, uh, sorry. But uh, <laughs> you uh, you make bad decisions. <laughs> <laughs> if you like Shock Tale, I'm sorry you like that movie. Yeah, I, I I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel bad that you have no taste. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. OK, thank you, everybody, for listening. Three chapters for next time. Music by Miracle of Sound and Wasn't to the Time of Next. Colo? Rail, speeding right up to the rising gale. Shovel harder, cause we're on your tail. London's bloody fire.